Please turn with me in your Bibles to both Mark 16 and also John 4. Put a finger in John chapter 4, and we're going to be in Mark 16, and we're going to be in in John chapter 4. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you've given us purpose in this life to know you, to follow you, to be used by you. We pray that we would have ears to hear, hearts that are open to you, that you would set me aside and give me grace and strength and clarity in teaching your word, and we would have a renewed heart for the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jumping down to verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. They got the message. They got the commission. Now you need to go and preach the gospel, share the gospel with every creature. And that's exactly what the disciples do. We've slowed down in looking at the Great Commission. We've taken three weekends to really make it practical. I think most of us as believers, if you know Christ as your Savior, you want to fulfill the Great Commission. You want to go and preach the gospel. You want to make disciples, but oftentimes we struggle with the how. So last week, we talked about how to prepare your testimony, God's story in your life. Hopefully, you're able to take some time to write that down, to to share that with others. Possibly, God opened doors for you to do that this week. And today, we're going to look at John chapter 4 as Jesus has a conversation with the woman at the well. He goes to Samaria. Why Samaria? Why would Jesus go to Samaria? The Samaritans were really a forgotten group of people. When Israel was taken captive, northern Israel, in 722 BC, Assyria conquered them. And what they did is they left some Jews there, but also brought in other nations. And these other nations assimilated with the children of Israel, creating another people group called the Samaritans and also their own worship system. So Jews looked down on Samaritans, would have nothing to do with them, and in fact would go out of their way to make sure they never came into the region. But Jesus comes to Samaria because he wants to have this conversation with the woman at the well. We're going to look at this at a little different angle, a little bit different lens, from how do I apply this? How do I love and approach people the way that Jesus did in this passage? So John 4, verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. He needed to go through Samaria. Judea is southern Israel, Jerusalem. Jesus' ministry is headquartered out of Galilee. Normally, the route would be to go around Samaria. But Jesus has something else in mind. He says, we need to go through Samaria. It's almost like Jesus goes out of his way to have this conversation with the woman at the well. But in fact, this is his way. This is directly what he's desiring to do. We think of our own lives, and God 
pursues us. And here Jesus is pursuing this woman. So for us, our first practical point this morning is we have to get out of the box. We have to get out of the box. We've got to go off of our beaten path to encounter someone like this woman at the well. Maybe you've noticed the longer that you've known the Lord, the less unbelievers you have in your life. When you first came to know Christ as your Savior, you probably had more unbelieving friends in your life. But the longer we walk with God, the longer we walk with God, it's easy for us to only have our path cross other Christians. Don't get me wrong, that's a good thing. It's a great thing that you're here this morning. It's a great thing that you have fellowship with believers, but we need to be intentional about having relationship with unbelievers. That's part of the Great Commission. Go and preach to every creature. And there's some people in society that may be Samaritans, that may be outcasts, that people go out of their way to not talk with them, to not be around them. And sometimes as believers, we do that as well. We're part of that. And Jesus has a heart for the outcast, doesn't he? He has for a heart for the Samaritan woman. And for us to say, I'm going to intentionally go there. I'm going to go to that person. Maybe there's somebody in your neighborhood that everybody seems to be a little bit afraid of and intimidated of and keeps her distance from. That's the person you want to go to. Maybe at work, there's that outcast. Someone that just kind of rubs everybody the wrong way. That's the one that you want to go to. Maybe God would lead you to a particular part of town that's very dark, that believers don't like to go to. And you grab another believer and say, hey, let's go and let's pray and let's just see what God, God may do. But Christ, he gets out of the box. We need to get out of the box as well. We're in a box right now. Did you realize that? Our church is a big box, and we're thankful for this facility that God has provided it for us to come and be able to, to worship. But part of what we do here is getting equipped to then go out, to take the message out to those that don't know Christ as their Savior. It's really easy for me to share these three messages and not get out of the box, because my life is in a pattern. It kind of follows a, a succinct pattern, and I have to look at my life and go, okay, how do I intentionally get around more unbelievers? It may be going and playing basketball with those that, that don't know the Lord. But allow the Spirit of God to move us to get out of the box. Let's see what happens. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. We know from the rest of the chapter, at this point, Jesus sends the disciples to go get some food. He's sitting at this well. It's the sixth hour, which is about 6 p.m. This well is rich with history. It's actually Jacob's well from the book of Genesis. And he's tired. He's wore out. I'm so thankful that this is included for us in the life of Christ. In his humanity, he got tired. Do you get tired? You're like, I'm tired right now, and it's only nine in the morning, right? We get weary. We get wore out. Jesus understands that. On Wednesday night, we're going through the Bible. We're right now in the book of Hebrews. And on Wednesday night, we're in Hebrews 2, and it says that Jesus is our faithful and merciful high priest. 
that he identifies with us, that he knows what it is to be human. He knows what it is to be tired and to be wore out. So here he is sitting at the well, and he's weary, he's tired. In verse 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. It seems that this Samaritan woman is isolated, probably because of the way that she's living her life the choices that she makes. She comes to the well alone to get water. Jesus sees her and he says, could you give me a drink of water? Again, we're looking at this from the practical sense. If we want to fulfill the great commission, preach the gospel, make disciples, we have to start a conversation. We've got to start a conversation. Sharing the gospel begins with a conversation. If I don't love people and talk to them, I'm not going to have an opportunity to share Jesus with them. So we have to be intentional about looking somebody in the eye and finding a way to begin a conversation. This water, this concept of a drink of water is a bridge to talk about spiritual things. It may be that you begin a conversation about sports, right? Say, hey, what do you think of the Broncos coming up? Or the Rockies just started their season? Or, or did you watch the NCAA tournament? I, I enjoy sports, but it really doesn't mean that much to me. But one of the reasons I stay up on sports, especially living in Colorado, is if I want to have a conversation with men, I better know what's going on with the Broncos. Right? Amen? You know? And then guys that don't work for the Broncos, I love running them under the bus, and it's a great way to start a conversation. You know? When are you going to be a... A Broncos fan. You look at someone's life and, and you, you start to realize, well, what are they into? And start to ask them about that. This is a stranger to Jesus. Jesus doesn't know this woman. And this is a very common thing, a, a glass of water. Could you give me a glass of water? So you're doing your business, getting your groceries, paying for something, and look the person in the eye and say, hey, how are you doing today? How many people does someone encounter at the grocery store if they work at, at the grocery store and just engage them for a moment and start a conversation. If you're traveling, a lot of times we get on the airplane and because we're weary and because we're tired, we say this is a great time to check out and talk to nobody. Absolutely. And, and it, it's kind of strange. It's a little bit of a unique uh, experience. You've got the person sitting next to you in, in entirely too close a proximity. Hey. And it's always like, are we going to have a conversation or not? And just make it a habit to look over at them and say, hey, how are you doing today? How are your travels going today? And you'll find out pretty quickly if they want to have a conversation or not. (laughs) But sometimes it will result in a really good conversation and a bridge to be able to share Jesus Christ with them. It may mean that when you see your neighbor across the street, you cross the street and say, hey, how are you? How are things going? Start a conversation. In making this practical, I would challenge us with a suggestion, me included, hang out in your front yard. When was the last time you hung out in your front yard other than to mow your lawn? We're not very approachable when we're mowing the lawn. But spend time in your front yard for the purpose of getting to know your neighbors. And when you see your neighbors out, go say hello to them and start a conversation. Maybe an idea to pray about in this 
is to have a barbecue in your driveway. Because it's kind of hard to go into somebody's house and to go into your neighbor's house. And your neighbors are like, I don't know if I want to go in your house. You might be an axe murderer. You never know when there's an axe murderer, right? But you could take three or four houses, the ones that are in close proximity, make a little flyer and say, hey, come over for a block party. We're going to have barbecue. We're going to provide hamburgers and hot dogs. Everybody brings something for the intention of starting a conversation. I need to do that too, you know? But at the very core of this, say, God, I want to love people and to talk with them, no matter what my personality is, for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Jesus starts a conversation. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You may want to underline the word Jew, because as this woman talks to Jesus, her knowledge of him grows. The first thing she acknowledges about Jesus is he's a Jew. He's not a Samaritan. And basically she's saying, what are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Second practical point, point to living water. Point to living water. Start a conversation. In the midst of the conversation, how do I talk about living water? Jesus pretty quickly brings the conversation from the physical to the spiritual. How could we potentially do that in a conversation? To be able to say, well, how's that working for you? Man, I I noticed that work is a huge priority in your life. How's that working for you? Do you find meaning and significance in your work? They're going to look at you like you're backwards and you're strange, but you're asking a question that leads to living water. Again, going back to last week, maybe begin to share with them what the living water has meant in your life. To say, you know, this is how my life used to go, but I've experienced living water. But look for that point in that conversation to bring it to Jesus, to point to living water. Verse 11, the woman said to him, sir. So it goes from Jew to sir. You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then will you get living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? She talks some smack here. She's like, oh yeah? You're going to provide living water? You don't even have a bucket. How are you going to get your water? So you think you're better than Jacob? You're, you're greater than, than Jacob? Jesus answered and said to who, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus is saying, if you drink of living water, it is going to satisfy you. And you're never going to need to drink again. Here she is coming to, for physical water over and over again, but Christ is saying, here is the spiritual water. Church, this is the greatest way to be a witness, is to experience living water. To make sure that Jesus is the one that is satisfying us, that we're drinking of his well in relationship with him through the word and through prayer and walking with him. Then the promise is, is Christ is going to fill up our lives and it's going to overflow onto others. Though there's things that we can learn and ways that we can be prepared, ultimately, 
It's the living water overflowing in our lives. It gets very real in this conversation in the the next few verses. Then the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. She's like, this would be great. I'll never have to come back here and draw water. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. This seems extremely random, doesn't it? Here they are talking about living water. And then Jesus is like, hey, why don't you go grab your husband so he can be part of this conversation? The next point is listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows what is blocking this woman from experiencing living water is her relationship with men. We're going to find out in just a moment. She has five husbands, and the guy that she's with is currently not her husband. So she's going to men to try to experience satisfaction. That's the pattern in her life. She's looking to relationships. And so Jesus is then saying, look, we've got to deal with this. Because until you deal with this, you're never going to experience living water. So when we're talking with people, the Holy Spirit knows them. God knows them. He knows exactly what's going on in our lives. Remember, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that causes us to be able to be a witness. And the Holy Spirit wants to lead us and guide us and says, look, you need to bring this up. Like, no way, I'm not bringing that up. That's too hard. That's too difficult. I'm I'm not going to do it. God may be showing you that the person you're talking with is suicidal. He wants you to ask that question. Are you considering killing yourself? You may may be talking with a married man, married woman, and say, you know what, I just, I got to ask you, are you being faithful to your spouse? Like, who asks that, right? That's a terrible question to ask, but the Holy Spirit might want you to ask that. Gives you knowledge into who that person is and what's going on in their life. So important, listen to the Holy Spirit. And this is where the Christian life gets really exciting. We say, okay, God, I I want to walk in your command to fulfill your mission, to share your love. And so what are you doing in this person's life? And step into that. In verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. The grace of Jesus, you know, I just picture Jesus smiling. You know those times as a parent, you've got your kid busted, you know? They don't know that you know, and you're like, I know. I got you figured out. And Jesus is like, I know you. I got you figured out. How kind of him to say, you've spoken well, right? He could have said, big fat liar, you know? <laughs> Why are you lying to me? He says, no, but you're, you're speaking well because you got five husbands And the guy you're with right now is not your husband. So we think about the context of this divorce wasn't very common. It doesn't seem like she's an elderly woman because when she goes back into the Samaritan village, she says, I have met a man who told me everything I've ever done. And all of the men of the village come out. The implication is they're part of that story, right? I mean, this woman has quite the reputation. She has had five divorces and the guy she's with is, is not her husband. And Jesus deals with her in grace and in truth. She responds, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So first, Jesus, you're a Jew. Sir, and now a prophet. I understand you have supernatural knowledge of my life. 
In verses 20 down to verse 24, we see Jesus encouraging her to be a worshiper. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that it's Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We could go into this in far more detail, but for the sake of our study this morning, Jesus gets to the heart of the issue and says, the Father wants to have a relationship with you so that you would be a worshiper, that you would worship him in truth, the truth of God's word and who he is, and from your spirit, your heart, passionate and truthful worship, and the Father's seeking those that will worship him in that way. When we're sharing the gospel with people, we have to remember that God is longing a relationship with them. He's longing for them to be saved and to become a worshiper. If somebody just wants to say a prayer and have fire insurance, but they don't want a relationship with Jesus, they're not ready to be saved. Jesus isn't just handing out insurance, saying, look, believe in me for salvation, believe in me for salvation. Yes, that's true, but he's saying, believe in me for salvation. Let me have control of your life. Be a worshiper of me. And so that's what we're encouraging people as we're sharing the gospel, is Jesus loves you. He wants control of your life. He wants you to be a worshiper. He gets to the heart of the issue. Then the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I will... I who speak to you am he. He says, I am the Messiah. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So it wasn't normal for a man to have this kind of conversation with a woman in this this society. But the disciples don't question it. They, They don't even begin to think that Jesus is anywhere close to doing anything inappropriate. Then the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, why did she leave her water pot? Is it just a detail that doesn't matter? I think every detail matters in scripture. Agreed? I think it's symbolic of the fact that she found what she was looking for. She came looking for physical water, but she'd received living water, so she leaves her water pot. So now she cruises into the city. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Testimony. She gives her testimony. Really clearly, really succinctly. I met a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Christ? Let's go find out. All right? Let's go see who this guy Jesus is. What's the one phrase that sums up what Christ has done in your life? Took me from emptiness to wholeness, from despair to hope. Forgave me of my sins. Took me from bondage to to forgiveness. She shares her testimony. What if she experiences Christ in her life, but she doesn't tell anybody? Because she tells, because she testifies, a whole village is going to be reached. 
Just like if you've walked with the Lord for a while, we need to make sure we're around unbelievers. It's very healthy to be around a new believer. Why? Because they're so excited about Jesus. It seems like new believers give testimony of Jesus Christ more than anybody else because they're so overwhelmed by Christ. They don't know better. They just, they just go to everybody they know and say, man, I've met Jesus. Jesus has found me. This is what Jesus has done in my life. And they, they don't make it complicated. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Very important point, practical point, fulfillment is doing his will and work. Jesus is tired. He's hungry. The disciples are supposed to bring him falafels. They come back with the food and Jesus says, look, I've already eaten. They're like, what? Who beat us to this? Who, who got you the food b- before us? And Jesus says, no, I have a food that you're not, not of. You're not aware of this source of fulfillment and it's to do the will, to finish the will and the work of the Father. Church, maybe you're lacking purpose in your life. Could it be that our focus is not upon his will and work? That's where we're gonna find fulfillment in life is his will and work. Maybe you've had this experience when you're tired, you're wore out, you just feel like vegging for a while. Here's an opportunity to do God's will and work and you say yes and you walk away refreshed because refreshment is found in his will and work. There's a blessing that happens in serving. Do you ever just get tired of only caring about the physical aspects of your home? Do you know that where you live in your apartment or your home is more about the drywall? There's more to it than just the drywall. There's more to it than just what the color of the wall is, right? Why are we there? We're there to know God, to love God, and to then love the people that he's put us into contact with because of where we live. So there's not a whole lot of fulfillment in the yard. There's not a whole lot of fulfillment in the roof. At some point that wears out. You can enjoy it, be thankful to God for it, but what if you got to share Christ with somebody on your lawn? You know, what if you got to speak of Christ at your dinner table or in your family room with believers or unbelievers? See, that's where where fulfillment is. If we adopt this, this is going to change the way we view work. When we go to work, to be able to say, I'm here to be a light to unbelievers and to encourage believers. Even if you work at Christian organizations, there's a tremendous opportunity to, to be a light and to be used by God. You know? And to say, God, I am here not to earn a paycheck, but to do your will and work. The, the primary purpose of raising kids is not just to raise kids. It is to fulfill God's will and work. So God, how am I fulfilling your will and your work with my kids in my marriage? Everywhere that we go is to say, God, it's about your will and it's about your work. But it's a real wrestling, isn't it? Our flesh, our selfish desires, very strong We want to focus on our own will and our own work, but it works in complete opposite. So verse 35, but you do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields 
for they are ready white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this, the saying is true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you've not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. The time is now. Church, the time is now. Jesus is looking at the disciples, and he's saying, you often say four months to the harvest, because that's true with agriculture. It's not ready yet, so we have to wait for the harvest. But he uses that to speak into their lives about the Great Commission, and he's saying, guys, open your eyes. Look, 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 because the time is right now to be able to share my love with those who don't know me. And we tend to do this. Sometimes we look at our lives and we go, I can serve God in a greater way when I'm retired. And God would say, no, serve me right now, right where you're at. The time is now. You don't have to wait till you're retired to do the work of God. Sometimes we might say, you know, once my kids are out of the house, then I can serve God. I'll have more time. I'll be an empty nester. Well, God would say, serve me right now. Some of you would say, well, I'm single And once I get married, if I ever get married, then I'll have a companion and I I can serve God. And God say, no, serve me right now in your singleness. Young people in college and high school, you might be saying, I'm too young. And when I get a little bit older, then I'll be equipped to be able to serve God. And God throughout the Bible and church history has used young people. The time is right now. You lift your eyes and you serve right where you're at. So what does this mean for us? It means that God is working right where we're at with lost people. If we'll lift our eyes to the harvest, we'll begin to see the opportunities that God has for us to share the love of Jesus Christ. I think Samaria is closer than we realize. The Samaritan woman is closer than we realize. It could be right down the hall, right down the street, a phone call away, a text away. The time is now to enter into the Great Commission. It was preparatory of Christ because here comes all of these Samaritans. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who was testified. Her testimony had impact. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. So Christ hangs out for two days And many more believed because of his word. That's the power of testimony. A person's testimony encourages someone to investigate Christ. Then they believe because of Christ's words. And they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you've said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that that he indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. So what have we seen in this this passage in this section of scripture. Get out of the box. Get out of the box. Jesus needed to go to Samaria. Be willing to get out of the box to be around unbelievers. Start a conversation. Start a conversation. Church, let's make this really simple this morning. Let's not miss this. Jesus loved people. He loved people. Jesus lives in you. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. No matter what your personality's like, no matter what the situation of our life is, love people. Love them. 
This isn't out of, uh, well, I gotta fulfill the Great Commission. This is a, wow, Jesus, you love this person, so I'm gonna talk to him. I'm gonna look him in the eye and ask him how, how they're doing. Jesus said that all of the commandments are summed up in this, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourself. If we're loving them, the gospel will follow, amen? If we're loving them, we're gonna take the time to start a conversation with them. Start, start a conversation with them. Fulfillment is found in doing the will and the work of God. Maybe you're completely dissatisfied in your life. It's not gonna come from some earthly accomplishment. It's not gonna come from some earthly possession. It seems like by the, the time you finally get that thing that you longed for, its perfect condition lasts about two weeks. And then something happens to it, and it's so frustrating, isn't it? It's the fallen world. But a life that's touched for Christ lasts for all of eternity. So this is what I want to encourage you to do as we close and we sing this last song, is to take a minute and ask God, what would you have me to do? Ask God to give you one thing that's very practical. As we've spent this three weeks looking at the Great Commission— to us to go before the Lord and to say, God, what is it for me? And God may say, I want you to cross the street and talk to this neighbor. I want you to text this friend that you know is, is an unbeliever. I want you to be intentional with this particular coworker. I want you to go hang out in this part of town. Just go stand on the corner and see what happens. Nope, nope, Lord, that's not for me. I don't, I don't go there. I don't go there. Maybe try riding the bus to work. That would change things up a little bit. I don't ride the bus. That's unsafe, right? But what if the Holy Spirit wants you to ride the bus? Sit at the bus stop. Talk to some people that you wouldn't talk to before. Look them in the eye. Ask them how they're doing. But this is what I know about my life is it gets very busy Monday morning comes, and it's running into a new week. And before I know it, I haven't put into practice anything that I've read. And I want you to hear this. It is our joy and privilege to share the love of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, it says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Literally, you'll have happy feet if you bring good news. It does something to us. It brings joy in our soul when we get to speak of the glory of Jesus Christ. Don't believe the lie that God can't use you. God used fallen, ordinary people that were willing throughout Scripture. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to have formal training. You don't have to work at a church or be on staff at a ministry to have an eternal impact. All you have to do is be willing. Say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing to be used by you. I'm willing to follow the leading of the Spirit. I'm willing to speak of Jesus Christ. There's power in the cross. There's power in God's word. And we get the privilege of seeing God work and, and God move. So would you stand with me and let's pray uh, for one another in this. Jesus, we thank you that you left the comfort and the glory of heaven, took on human flesh, died for our sins, rose again, that you're a missional God. Your very purpose was to reach out, to reach out to us. 
Lord, you know that I've got so much room to grow in this area. I think we would all acknowledge this. So we ask that you would do a work in our hearts and lives, that you would give us a love for people, believers and unbelievers, a love for the Samaritan woman, those people in our society that are cast out. We ask that you would do a great work, that you would bring great fruit, that our lifestyle would be one of loving people, of sharing the gospel. Lord, I pray for everyone that's heard this message that you would just give us grace to be able to apply these things. Let's take a moment and ask God to speak to us that one thing that he wants us to apply, that one person that he wants us to reach out to. Amen, amen.